Today's show is brought to you by SoFi. Looking to make your finances smarter? SoFi is an innovative new finance company that's there to help. Learn how SoFi can help you reach your next goal sooner at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit SoFi.com slash legal for more information. Loans are originated by SoFi Lending Corp. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the person who is always getting to fights with Uber drivers and also Uber board members. But in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. And while you're there, leave us a review. Today, we have a live interview I conducted recently for Inforum at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco, California. I spoke to Adam Lashinsky, the executive editor of Fortune, who has a new book out called Wild Ride, Inside Uber's Quest for World Domination. Let's take a listen. Uh, Hi, everybody. Welcome to tonight's program with Inforum at the Commonwealth Club. I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode and host of the Recode Decode podcast. And it's my pleasure to be talking with my friend, Adam Lashinsky. He really is a friend that's accurate. A veteran journalist, <laughs> currently uh, the executive editor of Fortune, the best-selling author of Inside Apple, here to talk about his latest book, Diving Deep into the Crazy World of Tech, the appalling world of tech, really, Wild Ride, Uber's Quest for World Domination. Hello. Hello, Kara. So I texted... But excuse me for interrupting what? you. We have the same oh. title. <laughs> Exec- executive that's, editor. I didn't know that. No, well, that's nice. Excuse you for interrupting. That's an interesting <laughs> thing when we're talking about Uber. Um, so let's start with the news of yesterday. And then I want to get into the book itself. Obviously, it's an interesting story, but I think the news has precluded all the history of Uber. And people really do care about what is happening there now. So let me get your assessment. Yesterday was a super busy day. Down to the wire, Travis finally decided to leave after a lot of pressure. Um, He's the CEO. In the course of the day, they released recommendations that in any other company would have gotten the CEO fired. And then by the end of the day, a board member had to resign because he told a joke that wasn't funny in any way on the stage about, it it was essentially a form about the problems of sexual harassment at Uber, and then he told a sexist joke on stage to another director. So it was busy day from a news point of view. It was a woman. It was a woman, right, exactly. So talk to me about what you think happened yesterday, because we're just a day later, essentially. Well, you know, the, a, a couple interesting things to me. One is, as, as you pointed out, they released Eric Holder's recommendations. Mm-hmm. They did not release his findings. Right. The findings would have been far more interesting. Yeah, I'll be and, releasing those soon. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that, mm-hmm. as I'm sure everybody else is. Me too. Um, you know, the, the details of what he found. So, you, so, in other words, you have to infer everything from, from the recommendations. And you, right. you, you can infer a fair amount, but... Not a lot. You don't know scale. You don't know details. You don't have dirt, which, you know, again, is where you will come in. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is, is interesting... I, I prefer to think of it as actually exposing ridiculous behaviors on the part of overprivileged white men in Silicon Valley. Anyway, but go ahead. Move along. Like I said... Okay. <laughs> um, I think if you want to... You know, you made the point that any other company would have... These mm-hmm. recommendations would have included mm-hmm. the firing of the CEO... I thought the precise wording of Travis Kalanick's email to the employees was interesting. First of all, he's taking a leave of absence of an undetermined length. Right. So that could be Monday, mm-hmm. or it could be 
2019. Right. And that he will continue to be involved, I believe the way he put it, was with the most strategic decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read that as him not leaving at all. Right. Not stepping down. He, you know, mm-hmm. Stepping down as CEO is sort of, is sort of beside the point. So right. uh, I think, so I think where you're going with this is that it's not over. It's, yeah. It's clearly not over. And why do you think that? Tell me, because it's a really interesting situation. Because let me get back to that idea that it wasn't just that there were all these issues at the company. The report, I've had parts read it to me, it's quite devastating, um, about a culture out of control, never built, run badly, breakneck speed, sexual harassment, sexism, all kinds of things. It's like there, it was like the, as if the quintessence of Silicon Valley's problems concentrated themselves in one company. And so you think that he's still in power, that he's still pulling the... I don't know how much, but I, I just, I think even what we saw yesterday, there's, there's clear evidence that he is. Again, I, I can't quantify it or qualify it, mm-hmm. but he said, I will be involved in the most strategic decisions. So, right. so the question is why? You know, yeah. what, 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 how, how or how was, was he able to hang on? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've, we've known for, for quite a while that, that he has the ability to control the board through the sure. form of his shares. Right. And he had to acquiesce in whatever they decided. Right. I think you would agree with me that if he had his druthers, he wouldn't have gone at all. Right. No, that's he would have cer- fired the board. That's certainly where he was uh, uh, six weeks ago or, or a month ago. So that's where he was till 9.30 that morning. So things, so things changed mm-hmm. and he, he acquiesced in this, mm-hmm. but he didn't acquiesce in, in leaving. Mm-hmm. So explain to everyone why that is, to the board structure, because he and his, his friend and close colleague, Garrett Camp... Uh, the, the true founder of Uber. Right, essentially control everything. Why is Camp sticking so closely to him? You know, people have, have asked me as I've been out uh, talking about the book, mm-hmm. uh, why wasn't Camp the CEO? Why did Camp turn over the reins of Uber so willingly to Travis Kalanick so early. Mm-hmm. And my, my answer has been, among the many controversial things that have gone on at the company, that wasn't one of them. Nobody ever said, gee, Garrett Camp should have run, should right. have run Uber. I, I think, and I've heard many people say to me, that Garrett Camp was grateful from the beginning that Travis took this thing that Garrett had created, and he created, you know, many little, little things like mm-hmm. what this little Uber cab thing was in, mm-hmm. in 2009 and made it into Uber. So I think Garrett Camp was very comfortable with that. He's been grateful. He was the, really the first person to take serious money out of the company and one mm-hmm. of the very few people to take serious money out of the company. He was grateful to Travis for that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I don't think it's any more complicated than that. So he doesn't want more serious money because at this point, do you imagine this company go public with that CEO? Because going public is the goal, presumably, of the company. You know, I don't, even before this week, even before last month, I didn't think they were going to go public anytime soon. So mm-hmm. I don't know, a lot can change. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's 2019. That's a long time from now. I understand. Dog years. Yeah, I get that. Silicon Valley time. Yeah, I understand that, but it's not dog years in in terms of being a financial leader in a public company, correct? Yeah, I understand. And uh, what, you know, we can discuss uh, the morality of it, but we know that Silicon Silicon Valley venture capitalists will tolerate almost anything if they can make make their almighty buck. Right. And I I think there's ample evidence that the same same is true for public shareholders. Mm -hmm. Again, there's almost no evidence Mm -hmm. of 
Well, I, I shouldn't say that. There certainly have been instances of CEOs being drummed out for one transgression or another. Right. I'm not saying people don't care, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's a slam dunk that right. Kalanick will be the CEO when this mm -hmm. company goes public, but it doesn't, it wouldn't shock me. Right. I, I, more aside, because I don't think there are morals, I agree with you. I think the, there's a lot of issues around the Waymo lawsuit, yep. criminal indictments around several different things. I yep. suspect if Anthony Lewandowski, who Uber ultimately fires, uh, faces any kind of criminal problems, he, I don't imagine he would not roll over um, and point upward. Presumably, that's how it seems to work. Those are the kind of things I'm more interested in. Yeah, so huge. I mean, ex existential threat. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, forgive me for mentioning the book, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, yeah, no, it's germane to, to your, yeah. to your right. question, which is, you know, it, it, my, the final chapter includes this anecdote where Travis Kalanick and I take this long walk through San Francisco. We walk for mm -hmm. hours from yeah. headquarters down to the ferry building to almost to the Golden Gate Bridge. And Is that a, that's such a thing with internet executives taking a long walk. Well, I think, I think Steve no. Jobs was like a walker and a talker too. I never walk with them, but go ahead. Believe me, I would rather, I would rather have been sitting at a table right. taking notes yeah, yeah, with my recorder yeah. sitting right, so you're there. On your long... Instead, I'm, I'm walking down the street holding you're... my recorder right. in my hand, right. okay. so praying. Yeah. Right? That, that I'm getting it. Yeah. So I did. So you're on the bromantic walk of Yeah, we're on a we're on a we're on a bromantic walk. Mm -hmm. Me and my buddy. Mm -hmm. And uh I, I do remember where I was going with this. Okay. He told me he told me at some point during yeah. during that conversation, you know, there's there's one other person I take this walk with frequently, but I can't tell you who it is yet. Oh god. It was Anthony Lewandowski. Ah, and this was before the auto purchase, which was why he couldn't which mm -hmm. is why he couldn't tell me about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've published that. Other people have, have published that, that they walked together. Mm -hmm. The judge has specifically said that he's allowing Waymo to interview anybody who has had any interaction with Lewandowski mm -hmm. on the subject of this acquisition, which okay. means that, the, which means that the, the, content, the content and the context of their conversations while they were having this yeah. romantic walk mm -hmm. is going to be germane. Right. And so anyway... It's, you know, it's quite serious, right? Because, you know, Waymo's alleging theft of... Explain the Waymo law. Sure, Way Waymo is this... I, don't, I think it's a terrible name. Would, would, I would agree. Yeah. yeah. So Waymo is the renamed Google self-driving car unit. It's actually not part of Google now. It's part of Alphabet because mm -hmm. it's an other bet or something like mm -hmm. that. But Waymo has sued Uber because it says that Anthony Lewandowski, who worked as an engineer for the Google self-driving unit when that's what it was called, left, started a new company called Auto, sold it for 800 or $640 million very quickly to Uber, mm -hmm. and they, are, they, they allege that this was Uber's way of stealing their technology. Yes. And embedded in this is that, and this hasn't happened yet, but if the, the next step would be that that's fraudulent behavior, yeah, not, they, not merely stealing of trade secrets. No, and they also didn't sue Anthony, they sued... Uber. Uber, which it, presumably has more assets than... I don't think that's why. Than, than feel like the, and to knock them out of the box. Yeah, it, well, and because maybe they did something wrong. Well, I know, crazy to imagine. There's all sorts of ways the company to, could do something wrong. Right, there's also... And, there's, and it, so Uber has mm -hmm. tried vociferously to settle, to go mm -hmm. to mediation. The judge disallowed that. Uber obviously would, would rather write a check. And, and my only point mm -hmm. is that 
Google Alphabet doesn't seem to be too interested in receiving a check. Also, Google doesn't really need money, does it? That's my point. Right, yeah. 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 They're kind of rich. Um, we just recently had Ruth Peratt on stage at our code conference and talked about that. And I said, Google never, in fact, Google usually pays people they don't like even to leave. You know what I mean? Even if they like. And I said, well, you don't usually sue people. And she says, we don't usually sue people. And I said, but you're suing Uber. And she goes, oh, yes, we're suing Uber. And, and I said, so that's different. She goes, oh, yeah, that's different. And I think they're very intent on taking this down to the wire. I mean, that's, that's a big issue. Let's talk a little bit about the book and getting to it. But, because all this does matter in terms of what's going to happen to this company. I think they're uh, in much more serious trouble than most people do. But let's talk about the, the genesis of the book. When you started the book, it was like, look at this you know, bare-knuckled startup that's changing the world and this pugnacious, in-your-face CEO who's just you know, such a character kind of thing. Tell me the sort of what you were thinking about when you wanted to. Sure. Uh, when I started, um, which was when I, when I sort of started thinking about it, it was 2014 or so. And what, what I was witnessing was this company that being at that point, barely four years old, mm -hmm. had already expanded uh, around the world very quickly. Of course, they'd done it in their second year of operations. Right. And that fascinated me in particular because I had just, I was only, you know, at that point, 18 months out of publishing a book about Apple. Mm -hmm. And Uber wouldn't have been able to go around the world without the iPhone, without the App Store. Mm -hmm. The App Store's everywhere, the iPhone's everywhere. So Uber could be everywhere very quickly in a way that startups couldn't have done in another era, that other era being five or 10 years earlier. And they had raised uh, already billions of dollars. They already had a multi-billion dollar valuation. They had had this profound impact on taxi systems in many places. So I thought and think that it was and is an important story <laughs> and that it was, if you believe that this, uh, that this app revolution was, was serious. I was far more, and am far more interested in what the app enabled mm -hmm. than, than phrases like the gig economy or the sharing economy. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it was the, it was the best example of what this, this thing could power. Well, they also talk about the Uber of. The, I don't yes. think they're going to do that anymore. But, well, you know. <laughs> no. uh, well, if, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it helps them raise money, they will. But Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's a good pitch at this point <laughs> in Silicon Valley. Um, but you, so, so the idea was that this was a different, how was it different? Because it is one of the few, several, Airbnb, I guess, um, and some others that have come out of this next era of Silicon Valley. Well, what, what I think was compelling about it was that it, was both an internet digital software company mm -hmm. and a hard assets people company that involved mm -hmm. messy things like regulators and, and drivers and cars and transportation networks in a way that Facebook and Google and Yahoo right. weren't. Not purely digital. And in the way that Apple, which was, you know, this amazing hardware company with software, wasn't really an internet, wasn't an internet company. Mm -hmm. And that it represented what from your perspective? Uh, the 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 next you know the next stage of these these kinds of companies that we that we cover it was it was if you if you put them in uh, if you put them in buckets or or phases of evolution mm -hmm. from the you know the companies that existed around Microsoft and Intel to the companies that existed around Google or Yahoo and Google and then the companies that existed around Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, this was the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting. And, and what, do. what do you think made them stand out from, from what they're doing? I did a profile of Travis a couple of years ago for Vanity Fair, and a lot of it had to do with his early years 
um, most of which uh, were not great. He presided over two relatively failed startups, one completely failed. Uh, very difficult relationships with almost every investor he had. Ended, everything ended in tears for this guy. Um, including his own. Yeah. Include, yeah, yeah. And he, um, he just created a lot of trouble wherever, you know, it just seemed like he was at the nexus of trouble and then was like, I can't believe this trouble. Um, and so a lot of this <laughs> stuff was to me to be motivated by rage about that. He, you know, he had sort of a rage at his heart that is very different than other entrepreneurs and older and also older. I don't think necessarily that... The I want to know what you think motivated him. Yeah, I don't... Well, I don't think that the... Well, I don't know if the, if the rage accounted for his success, certainly for his ultimate success with Uber. If we call it that, I think there was a period of time when that would have been a less controversial statement. Yeah. Now it's a more controversial statement. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's clearly, and I talk about in the book, he's a, he's a stubborn, persistent, relentless, ruthless person. And so <laughs> those things became important in Uber, the, the part of the story that I think is, is really interesting, um, you know, he, he was part of this company, he, he was part of the, the founding team of this company called Scour, which, as you <laughs> say, went completely belly up, and then he yeah. did something that it's was... Essentially a, not Napster. A pre-Napster, yeah, pre yeah. but less successful and right. less meteoric, so it, it started and failed more quickly than, than mm -hmm. Napster did. Mm -hmm. And Red Swoosh, the next company, was an iteration of that technology intended right. to be legitimate. It was legitimate. They sold to corporations instead, but it took forever to get going, and then... It was down to one person, him, at one point. And ultimately, he sold it for what nobody in the Valley would, would consider, you know, a lot of no, money. And he had a lot of successful friends around him. Yeah, and, and, and the, the, the point I was driving to is that, that that happened in, off the top of my head, 2008, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been here since 1997. I tend to know the people who are, you know, who are modestly successful. I never knew the guy. Mm -hmm. I met him in 2010 after Uber was starting to go up. Now... Yeah. I only point that out to say that he wasn't one of these A-plus players no. but by the time Uber came around. He was a player in that world, but mm. we, we could quickly name 20 people who were more important. Mm. So there's a lot of luck involved. This, mm. was the, this was like the right thing. And by the way, you know, right when he decided that he was going to go to Uber, and again, I love it, like, I, I love all these references to him having founded Uber, which simply, right. simply isn't the case. Well, although, you know, you could argue, I did a book on AOL. Steve Case didn't found AOL, but he kind of founded it, and he made it. And Howard Schultz didn't found right. Starbucks, but right. he made it. Right. right. Not, not, to, not to take away from right. him, but Garrett Camp's idea was an important one. Sure. He, he, Travis Connelly was around when they started operations, so, mm -hmm. so, so he was the founder. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back with Adam Lashinsky, the author of Wild Ride, Inside Uber's Quest for World Domination, after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by SoFi. If you worked hard to get where you are, SoFi can help you save money on the student loans that got you there. Refinancing student loans with SoFi can save an average of $22,359 over the lifetime of a loan. With federal and private loans consolidated into one monthly payment, you can save time too. Plus, becoming a SoFi member comes with all kinds of useful benefits, like unemployment protection, free invites to exclusive events, and a rate discount on any other SoFi loan you get. Learn more and find your rate in two minutes at SoFi.com. That's S-O-F-I.com. Terms and conditions apply. Loans originated by SoFi Lending Corp. and not available in all states. See SoFi.com slash legal for important average savings information. 
I also want to tell you about Too Embarrassed to Ask, my other podcast, which I host with Lauren Good of The Verge. That's me. That's you. Here you are again. I'm here. Like a penny. You keep popping up. Anyway, (laughs) every Friday, we answer your questions about consumer tech. Lauren, what did we talk about last week? Well, I thought I would just bring the guest in to talk about what we talked about. What did we talk about? Headspace. Headspace. This is Rich Pearson, (laughs) the CEO and co-founder of Headspace, which is a meditation app. He tried desperately to calm us down, and it just didn't work. Work? Did you, work? Do you think we're more calm than when we I started? I think you're very calm. Oh. You're calm naturally. Car is just very chilled. <laughs> very chilled. In any case, we talk about he meditation apps, how, where they're going, and they're going to some really cool places. I think, you know, you could have a meditation app at any time at any place someday, correct? Ruth? That's very correct. Yes, okay. And they're trying very hard. There's a lot of competitors in the space, and it's starting to get some traction in the US of A, which is the least meditative country mm-hmm. on the planet. It was a great discussion, and we hope you listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. What do you think motivates? I want to get to what motivates him. Because I spent time with uh, his parents, including his mom, who just died. Tremendously lovely woman. His father uh, was a civil engineer, I think. His mother sold newspaper ads. They lived, went to their house. It was a very modest house above Los Angeles in Northridge. Um, brother is a firefighter, I think sister's a nurse, I think, something like that. Somebody works at Kinko's. Or yeah, yeah, just Kinko's. real modest but lovely people and very um, funny and I couldn't believe these were, I thought he hired these people. His parents, <laughs> uh, I was like, where's the mean mom and the abusive father? Um, and, and it was really interesting um, because, uh, you know, it was sort of an unusual place for him to come. So I'd love to know what you think, how that happened. So... I would love to tell you that I found the that I found Travis's rosebud, and mm-hmm. I absolutely mm-hmm. set out to find it. And I yeah. asked people who knew him mm-hmm. back then, you know, what do you think his rosebud was? What yeah. was what was motivating him? He he tells me this story in the book about when he was an Indian guide. Do you know what Indian guides were? They're no longer called Indian guides, no. but um, it was this a program run by the YMCA mm-hmm. for ch- for boys to spend more time with their dads. Mm-hmm. I also oh, Indian guide. Was, an Indi- was an Indian guide about 10 years before, before Travis was. And he tells me this story about um, a, a fundraising drive for a camping trip or something for the Indian guides where they sold pancakes in front of the supermarket or tickets mm-hmm. to the pancake uh, you know, uh, event in front of the supermarket and he was bound and determined at age 10 or whatever to sell mm-hmm. the most freaking pancakes as mm-hmm. you said repeatedly mm-hmm. um than any other indian guy and so he'd stay there until you know the wee hours of the night in order to do that the, the point was that he was motivated like that at, at a mm-hmm. very young age he was driven but uh, you know, I, if, if he was being beaten in the in the basement by his right. lovely mother or his right. no, or his, or his hardworking father, I right. don't know about. Right. Okay. Um, but but and he you didn't get he, that either. No, I mean his father's a hunter and has, has a, had wallfuls of dead animal heads, which was disturbing. But he. But there are it, other it, Americans see, who. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, not not many in the internet space, but yes, no, certainly. No, that's true. Um, so, but it was interesting because he talked about bullying. That's why he yeah. talked a lot about being bullied. Yeah, he was teased. You know, he was a, he was a mathlete mm-hmm. of sorts, but, mm-hmm. but he was also an athlete. He was, you know, right. was a good runner, good baseball player. Um, so, you know, he sort of played both those positions. And, he, you know, yeah, he, he, he tells stories about having been bullied for being a nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a bad word probably growing up in Northridge. It's a badge of honor in, 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 sure. in Silicon Valley. But... Um, 
But I never got, I didn't get the sense from him telling those stories that there were deep emotional scars. Yeah. He got made fun of. He got teased. Yeah. A lot of kids get teased. Yeah, I always thought he made it up. But anyway. Um, well, I'm just so. giving you, I'm not saying that, but right. I'm, that, I am. my impression is, is that it wasn't so well. <laughs> right, okay. So talk, talk a little bit about the founding of Why, I, the reason I'm talking about his personality, because, you know, maybe he's just an asshole. That could be just, be, you know what I mean? That really is often the explanation for a lot of people in Silicon Valley. Um, but what do you think got them different? Like, what did you come to the conclusion in the book? What, was, it the, was it the app? Was it the, well, what was it? Yeah, the, 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 the cliche these people love to talk about is product market fit. Mm -hmm. And they had it. They, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they had it in the sense that anyone who rode a taxi in San Francisco before Uber came along knew that the experience sucked. You might get picked up. You might not. If you called for one, it might come. It might not. You mm -hmm. might make it to the airport on yeah. time. And they figured out a, a, an abundantly better way of doing that. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, 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 you know, again, cliche, but I felt it. I remember feeling it. It was magical. Wow, mm -hmm. this just works. Mm -hmm. So there was a great market. It was a, it's, a, it's a big market, and they, and they hit it hard. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to remember that they, they built it up by doing a limousine product. Yes, it was a fan. They wanted to ride around. And that was what they wanted, right. Drink. They yeah. wanted to be ballers and yeah. to, to ride, ar to ride around town. They, uh, and okay. not, not my word choice. I know it's not. I just recall um, them saying it to me as, years as, ago. And I was like... You remember him saying it, you said? All of them. Well, and, 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 the, and the story that I love to tell mm -hmm. is that the first time I met him, I, mm -hmm. I, hadn't, I don't know if I'd ridden Uber or not, but I had used it to send our babysitter home mm -hmm. because I thought it was a great, I could, I didn't have to take right. her home and I could watch her progress and made sure, make sure that she got home and I could pay for it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was great. And I told him this, I said, you know, I got a great idea for you. You need to market this mm -hmm. as a great thing. He's like, yeah. could, could not have been less interested mm -hmm. in, in the babysitter. Idea. No, but well, but, but they, I'm not, no, <laughs> your business, not mine. But, um, <laughs> just ran right through my head. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. We're getting to the sexual harassment. I know, I know we are. I know. I but, warned um, you about that question. <laughs> but they built it out. They built out this, you know, this this product that worked well mm -hmm. by having this limousine. Why service. was it better than a Lyft or well, whatever? That's that's what I'm that's what I'm getting. Well, it was better. Lyft wasn't doing it. It mm -hmm. wasn't doing that at the time. Lyft, what we now know as Lyft, had a business called Zimride, which was organizing rides sure. for corporate campuses. And right. And, um, and university campuses, it, you know, Lyft then had the idea, let's pivot, take this idea, make it into a way that we can power um, ordinary people with their cars. And by the way, we'll make it, we can make the calling part look a lot like what Uber does. Yeah. When it took Uber some time to realize that they had been, they'd been beaten. Right. Once they realized they'd been beaten, they were able to move really quickly into Lyft's yeah, product because yeah. they had the, because the app worked. Right. They were already established all around the country and in other parts of the world, which Lyft wasn't, and they had a lot of money. So UberX creating UberX, right? Right, exactly. So, what, how do you strike the differences between those two companies? They couldn't be more different in terms of the, the CEOs, for example. I mean, uh, Zimmer is really—I don't know how to even describe him. He's—he's he's just really. He came over one time to. Um, I was sitting with Dick Costello and someone else who used to be the CEO of Twitter, and he said um, he came over. He goes, you know, Kara. The reason, reason I'm doing this is because 80% of the car is not in use, and that's wrong for our planet. Yeah. Like, he's right. There's one person sitting in the car. Yeah. There's five. I got it. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 80%. It's just, think about that. And I was like, okay. 
me about it. And, and he goes, it's just wrong, and I feel like I can save the world that way. And he really meant it. It wasn't like some bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, he really meant it. And he walked away, and <laughs> Dick Casso turned to me and said, Travis is going to kill him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it was so funny. Well, and, 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 Uber, so, and Uber talks about the <laughs> same exact statistic, but they talk right. about it in terms of unused inventory. I think. Right, and, then, and, and they're, even their offices. Like, this, this, you go in, and you get a foot massage at Lyft, <laughs> and then they give you fresh kombucha, and then there's pink everywhere. It's lovely. And then you go to Uber, and it looks like a Bond movie, and you think like you the better... Death star, the Death Star. The right? Death Star, and you think, I better not stand on these stairs because it's going to open up and the shark, you're going to fall in the shark. Like, I think about that all the time. And then their room, which Ariana just redubbed, the peace room, was called the war room. Yeah, and it, you, when you get off the elevator at Uber, it's sort of like those Black. hotels in Soho where you, yeah. you're a little scared because you're not sure yeah. which way to turn or if right. the floor will hold. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's, yeah. That's, that's true. So what is the difference between them? Because like, the war room is a perfect example. When yeah. I was let in there for the first time, I was like, you've got to be kidding They me. let you in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was like, you're kidding me. And they're yeah. like, we think it's great. I, think I, I said, I think you're 12-year-old boys, but okay. Um, but, but that was different. So what was the mentality? What was the difference between those two? Oh, and the funny thing about the way you introduced that is that Zimmer isn't even the CEO. You know, this right, guy, Logan Green, Logan nobody is, knows, is, 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 the, is the CEO. The founder. Also real nice. Very nice. And yeah. there, so, but, you know, look, we, uh, <laughs> we all go with what we've got. Right. And I, I, think, I think Lyft is gone. That, that's who they are. Right. And, and Uber is who they so are. So was that the difference with Uber, the, uh, the obnoxiousness, the pushing around of regulators, the sort of ugly statements that he would make that he would you talked about that in the book quite a bit that he'd just pop off with a statement that was usually somewhere between appalling and disgusting at, yeah, some, well, at any one point I think if uh, yes I think that this is this is who Travis is it's not it's not a corporate strategy but it has it been I'm just curious if What's you that? think it has it been has it made them successful has it been the reason they've been able to barrel their way through city after city there's no question in, mm-hmm. in my mind although it's 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 hard to it's hard to separate the um, the bravado or the or the attitude from the actions because it's, again it's at a, at a it's worth pointing out mm-hmm. that that Lyft was the first to do a damn the regulators strategy yeah. to say we don't think these taxi rules apply to sure. us so we're going to do it anyway and Uber's Uber's response Uber did a white paper I think Travis wrote a white paper that said we think this is illegal mm-hmm. and we're concerned about that and they had conversations about it then they said oh well okay it may be illegal but we better do it quickly or we're going to get beaten by these guys but so but what you're talking about is yes they they sort of you know led with their chin they said mm-hmm. we're not going to be like a little sneaky about the regulatory issue we're going to be completely transparent that we don't you know we don't care right and we're going to go in and we're going to start operating right. and when they come to us to say, uh, we think you're illegal, we're going to fight with them, and we're going to get people, to, to we're going to get uh, drivers and riders to be on our side. And we forget in 2017 that there was this moment when Uber was beloved, you know, mm-hmm. headlines saying what a great thing this is, people saying how much they love their Uber mm-hmm. rides and so on. Early on, it, they did that. But let's get to Sneaky, because Sneaky was seems to be their, like, favorite move on my, lots of things not just gray balling but there's it goes back in history yeah like one sneaky move uh, what's the word that they use to call lift drivers i forget yeah i'm, I'm blanking on yeah. it now too um it's some it's it, but anyway they do all kinds of sneaky things it was it, it was operation slog where slog. they slogging where they it, gave slogging. people burner phones which you know the, i only knew the expression burner from the wire this is what drug dealers <laughs> use the burners yeah. but anonymous phones to call for rides and then cancel them or right. take the ride and say you know you really ought to be driving for uh uber for uber Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I interviewed this guy who worked at, uh, at Red Swoosh mm -hmm. who, who told me that, that Travis, so this is 20 years ago, mm -hmm. would, um, there'd be a, they'd have a whiteboard or whatever the version of a whiteboard was then, mm -hmm. and, and he would write, like, a dollar sign with big numbers on the whiteboard. And, and this guy said to me, you know, I'd go by there, and the number, they would just, it was, he just wrote a large number for people who would be walking by to see the large number. Oh, all right. It was shifty. Yes, shifty. So what, is that at the heart of the company, the shiftiness? Because every two weeks. We, you know, every two weeks, you think it's sort of one thing after the next. I mean, you know, the uh, w one person's shifty is another person's pushing the envelope. Oh, I think grayballing is being criminally investigated. So it's not it's not shifty. That's criminal. So we, okay, what do you think that does uh, uh, to a what do, yeah. is that a, is that a, is that something that you can get you successful to a certain point, but not fully correct? Well. Uh, if by not fully you mean not profitable, yes. Mm -hmm. And if by not fully you mean you know brings a, bring, brings a, 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 a storm down on you that, that mm -hmm. ends up having real ramifications on the company, mm -hmm. then yeah, right. So I want to get to when you were doing the research for the book, why do it? Why continue? Because it doesn't really work. It's not, it doesn't ultimately work. You get found out and now um, you, know, you, sort of, uh, you sort of have a, have a target on your back almost because people just assume that you're going to lie to them, assume you're going to be aggressive, assume. Do you think it's a, it's a good strategy? And then we'll get into where they're going next. But when you were doing the research for this book, it seems like it's a never-ending theme of that company, correct? Um, it's not the... It's, number one, it's not the only theme. It's, okay. It's not like... It, it's, I, I, don't, I certainly don't... They didn't project to me, or I didn't. I didn't have the daily feeling like this is a criminal enterprise. Mm -hmm. I have had people who say to me, "Well, don't you think no, it's I like a mafia organization?" Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I, I I didn't have that feeling. I mean, yeah, there's like, and some of the things, and I, I know we're going to get to this. Some mm -hmm. of the things I simply didn't know about. I didn't. Right. I didn't uncover. But I, you know, a, a number one along the way, I saw plenty of good. And I mean, look, if it were a, um, if I did think it were a criminal enterprise. Right. I don't think you have to go as far as criminal enterprise. It's not like it's the Gotti family here, but you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of... When they have a choice to do yep. something a little sneaky, possibly criminal, or the right way, it seems this is the shift that they go yeah, to. All, all I'm saying is that there's, there's probably a good book in the Gotti family. I'm sure, I'm sure there have been. <laughs> oh, and been. Um, it's called The Sopranos, but go ahead. Yeah, well, right, and, and, and others, right? And um, so I, I see my role as a journalist mm -hmm. to... To write about the Gotti family, right, and so to tell and to tell the story, and you know maybe we could have a we could have a conversation about uh, the the notion of passing judgment. Mm -hmm. I think my style is to is to present it, analyze it, and tell it in a in an entertaining way. Okay, and you so, get to judge. Yeah, so so when you did that, you still can come to conclusions, correct? I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. So what conclusion did you come? Is this a sustainable? Is this is what made it? No, the way I it mean, is. Because it's not like any company we've covered. I think you and I can both agree. I mean, you don't. You would never think Facebook behaves like this, although they've done plenty of sneaky things. But it's not the same. You know what I mean? I'm thinking of all the companies we covered. Is there a, a close? The only close company I can think of is Microsoft, and even even he looks like a like a little kitten <laughs> comparatively. It's funny, He's you not mean, a kitten. I promise you, I'll answer you. I I, I once had this conversation with. Uh, with Mark Zuckerberg, mm -hmm. I, like I saw like the lightning quick wit, wit mm -hmm. and intelligence when I we someone else at Fortune was working ab about to start a feature story, and I said, you know, we're just starting this feature story, and um, I, you know, I think we're really concerned about some of these Russian billionaires who are oligarchs 
who are involved in, you know, in in killing people, being investors in Facebook. And without batting an eye, he said to me, I'm glad you're not working. You're not writing the story. (laughs) Um, And so I don't think let me let me rephrase that. I think there's good people doing good work and doing, you know, good corporate work Mm -hmm. at Uber. Okay. And I don't think that takes away from I don't think that takes away from your question Mm -hmm. and the things that you're talking about. I think it's possible to do what they're doing without being shifty. Mm -hmm. And the example would be that that Lyft is doing it. Right. You have a separate conversation about is this a real business? Can it ever be a real business? I also think the answer is yes. Okay. I can't prove it. Right. No one else can either. So when you say there's good people, it's still this week it's shown it's just rained down on those good people they're well, sucked into the middle yeah. of incredible misbehavior and yep. um i want to get to the financial parts of it too it, it, you know how you think about the business going forward and all these businesses but talk a little bit about um i told you i was going to ask this question but in this book nowhere do we have any really small amounts of oh they're such bros and they're so tough and this and that Nowhere any of the stuff that Susan Farrell alleged. Same thing in the Brad Stone book. There, it's as if it didn't exist. Now, that's, all, that's not all that matters, but it's what's causing all the problems. This, this explosive blog post by a very brave woman named Susan Fowler, who worked there, who was alleging sexism, sexual harassment, and essentially just corporate malfeasance. I think that's really, it's more so than anything else. It's how they run the company like it was a, an episode of Game of Thrones, essentially. That it was a constant, the managers were untrained, there was no way to report things, there were no HR systems in place. And I think Uber's excuse the whole time to me and others has been, well, we've been so fast building it, we had no uh, ability to change, to, to do this. Which to me is, is sort of, I didn't clean my bedroom excuse. Like, you know what I mean? Are you kidding me? Like, you can't put in normal systems. So why did, I, I'm going to say, why'd you miss this? Because yeah. there, there was a little sexual harassment problem going on. There was a sexism problem. There was a party problem. There was a, you know, a, a sort of careless behavior towards employees and drivers. And literally, it's pervasive through this company. It's hard to miss. So for, okay, so first of all, uh, first of all, not nowhere. I, I have a whole section yeah. that was that was you know strengthened after mm-hmm. the after the initial manuscript, mm-hmm. and uh, it was strengthened by uh, by my two editors who are women, mm-hmm. and um, where I discuss the alle- you know Susan Fowler's allegations, right. which happened after I which came out right. after I turned in my manuscript, and the subject of women and Uber more generally. Right. Okay, that's number which was, one. Had been raised for years. The safety of women passengers and I yeah and I and I addressed it Mm -hmm. in a you know we you can you can judge me on how if I addressed it enough or sufficiently no I don't think you did yeah I I understand that and you know and secondly so to the extent that so because this is an important element Mm -hmm. of the story Mm -hmm. uh shame on me Mm -hmm. shame on me that I didn't that I didn't get it adequately you know you also mentioned uh Gabe Sherman's book on, yeah, I, on, I would Roger, compare it to that. on Roger Ailes, where right. he wrote this, you know, this scathing expose of Roger Ailes, and nowhere in there did he mention this the rampant allegations of sexual harassment. Well, right. it wasn't rampant allegations of sexual harassment at News Corp or at uh, at Fox News. It mm-hmm. was multiple settlements of sexual harassment, so right. which had been and the terms of which had been that those people didn't talk about it. Right. So this is Gabe Sherman's reporting. Right. And um, I, I... My issue is that you couldn't, like, you couldn't cover Fox News without knowing his reputation. Did you know about this stuff and not write about it, or did you just feel it was, like, nothing? Or, or is it an issue of covering Silicon Valley that people turn a blind eye to some really serious things? 
which you, which you reference with Silicon Valley venture capitalists don't care anything about except about the getting the, the payoff, essentially. You know, I interviewed women on the record mm -hmm. for this book. I interviewed women off the record for mm -hmm. this book. And this subject didn't come up. So if you're asking me, did I not know? I mm -hmm. didn't know. Right. And, um, I, and if, you know, and so if you want to say, well, why didn't you, why weren't you looking harder for it? Why didn't right. you push harder on it? Uh, fine. You know, I spoke, I spoke to women who complained to me about how they were treated by their managers. Right. Because mm -hmm. they were jerks, essentially, mm -hmm. or whatever, or whatever Brilliant word, jerks whatever word, word you Ariana Huffington. I talked to women who described the, you know, the 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 the, the workations. You know, workations. Mm -hmm. You know, they would send teams uh, to places to launch a city, and then they would all go out partying at mm -hmm. night. Who told me about it? You know, as being one of the things they loved the most at Uber. Mm -hmm. So all I all I can do is tell you what what my reporting what led they me told to. you so and I and 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 I could have done more and I could have done better were you aware of the memo we published last week from Travis the the party memo no I I had in in, in the back of my brain I remember that I had before I ever started can working, you explain what the party yeah memo you was? you published a memo that that Travis wrote this uh, he he felt compelled for okay. some reason to write a, a memo to his employees before an offsite in Miami saying, uh, give, giving them uh, ground rules on how they should behave mm -hmm. at the meeting. And I think it includes something like, don't have sex with someone who's your subordinate. What, what else? You, well, what else? Yeah. Don't, throw, don't vomit because it costs $200. Don't throw kegs off of roofs. Off of roofs, yeah. Which is like, what? Like, you shouldn't be, <laughs> like, okay. And then don't have sex with someone in your direct report, but if you decide to have sex, or three of you do, uh, don't make sure everybody's consensual. Uh, which I ever, okay, good advice, but um, <laughs> from a frat guy, not a CEO of a company. And then at the last part, which I thought was to me the crowning glory of this particular appalling memo was, I can't have sex with anyone because I'm the yeah, CEO. Yeah. And then hashtag FML, which is fuck my life, meaning he's lamenting not being able to have sex with his employees, which I think is not appropriate for a CEO. Just my, I know I'm strict about these things, but... <laughs> So as I, uh, I'm saying that memo was famous within Uber, like that. Woo, we're such ballers, so to say, that we well, can write memo. Well, um, tell me if I have my my right. factory. Your Vanity Fair piece was 2014. Yes, I didn't. Not yes. No, no. Earlier, earlier than that. But it was after the Miami thing. I, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I. So you know. No, I'm saying what happens that this gets overlooked. I'm not saying I'm not going to give you the blame necessarily, but can, it does I mean, get overlooked in Brad's book. It's not there in Gabe's book. It's not there. What I'm, I want you to talk about a bigger issue around Silicon Valley that even the women you interviewed didn't or men like I don't say just women. It's men. No, should also but if anyone's going to bring it up at unsolicited <laughs> when I say, tell me what I need to know. Right. You would think it would be women. Right. And um, I think so. You know, I can't do any better than than answer your questions as directly as I can. I think that when you read when you read my book, you will get a sense of an immature grown up running an immature company. Right. And um, and so so I don't I think I I think I got that. And mm -hmm. after the you know after the again after I turned in the manuscript mm -hmm. and that video of him mm -hmm. berating the driver came out, that became a viral sensation. Right. And he said that he needed to uh, he needed to grow up. Right. Point out toward the end of the book, this was a man who had recently entered his fifth decade. Yeah, he's saying that. Some. Yeah. So you know, uh, and by the way, I, I also rode in Uber with him, and the the uh, the driver 
recognized that he had the CEO of, of Uber <laughs> in the back seat and started to really give him the business. Like, mm -hmm. you don't understand. Do, yeah. This isn't working right. I mm -hmm. can't get my emails answered on that. And they did an email. He, he, he said, I'm going to follow up with you. And then, of course, you know, very quickly, late, late at night, he, he copied me on the email. I later said, you know, did you do that because I was in the back seat? Yes. No, of course not. I do, I do that all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. <laughs> but there's sexism and sexual harassment at every company we cover. But nothing of this thing. And then uh, also, d will it change at Uber? Because li again, just last week, we wrote about this India thing, which was, I think, what pushed it over the edge. Was Maybe, that, yeah. that um, for those who don't know, he, they got the medical records of a rape victim, an Uber customer, and were essentially questioning her story, blaming it on Ola. This is the CEO. Ola uh, being their competitor being in India. Competitor, and then carrying them around for a year, uh, medical records of a rape in a criminal case. And I'm just curious, that's not, I'm, I'm saying, does it change? Because that was literally last week kind of thing they were well, doing that. And then they I mean, lied to the New York Times about it when they asked about it, and they never, New York Times didn't write about it. So U Uber is a, uh, th this is a situation where on an almost daily basis recently, things happen that you couldn't make up if you tried. Right. So no, can, can you imagine them a, a meeting with the employees for the board members to explain to them what they're going to do Next, and this, you know, this revered uh, financier, David Bonnerman, making a sexist comment at, at Ariana Huffington's approach at that uh, expense, at that meeting. Right. So I'm wondering, do you think spending all this time with this company and saying there are good people there, do you imagine these recommendations are going to be taken seriously and that they will change? You just made a face. like Because no. I think, no. given the scrutiny that they're under, mm -hmm. that it's going to be hard for them not to, not to take them seriously. And, mm -hmm. and so they will institute, you know, when you read through the holder recommendations, mm -hmm. there's sort of like, they're like operating manuals for how you're supposed to do human resource. Yeah. They'll institute those changes, right. and right. if and, and I don't know if it will. Stay. Well, you've spent a lot of time I with this inside believe, this company. I think I think they have a shot at making those things stick because because I don't believe that every person is rotten, and I'm not making no. Any, I get that. That's what I mean. Do you believe? I'm not that. making any excuses for the people who are right. But do you do you believe that this culture can? Because sometimes, you, as you know, a lot of cultures are the DNA of their founders or their immediate creators. Yeah. And they don't change. And I'll uh, just, you know, I'll make an observation. When I, when I spent, I think Apple was 30 or 35 years old when I, when I did my book on them. And it was a huge education for me because I had always discounted the, the, the notion of corporate culture. I thought it was one of those mm -hmm. soft topics that people don't, you know, have right. anything real to talk about. Talk about, and I decided I was completely wrong. Mm -hmm. At Apple, the culture was everything. Absolutely. And it was a three-decade-plus-old company. Uh, Uber's hope has to be that a six or seven ish year old company that the culture isn't as ingrained mm -hmm. I, I don't i, I mean I'd, I'd like to be optimistic for them right right you think no chance i think you know i think chance i uh, i think i'm a i'm a maya angelou fan and her quote is when someone shows you their face for the first time believe them you know what i mean i just do i think they i think companies are what they're born like and they have every single company we know has an element of that let's get to their finances we just have a few minute questions really soon from people i'm sure you have lots of them um for adam um the financials losing a ton of money billions and billions a lot of people they like to try to compare themselves at uber to amazon well amazon lost a lot of money and then they became what they are today amazon built a lot of moats they built warehouses they built it's very different systems. Amazon didn't have any real rivals. They really didn't, if you really think about it. They had small rivals, but nothing real. The big retailers never got in the game. There was never a, a, they had in, in they, there was never a Lyft yeah. version of an Amazon competitor. 
and, and, or an Ola or a Didi or whatever. Yeah. There were there were quite a few, and they were bad. They, they yeah, failed. that's yeah. yeah. But yeah. they didn't. They never had a real serious better. But they built moats everywhere they went. They built moats, and now they're benefiting from those moats. They I built. get it. Yeah. When losing this much money, you said, I think there's a business there. Can you explain how that? Because I'm that. That's something that oh. I feel is not the case. Yeah. Even with what they release, we don't have a super clear view of right. what the finances are. They're fairly opaque. So mm -hmm. what we know is that. They, that for a while, they were losing a ton of money in China. They stopped that. They're yeah. losing a ton of money by trying to build up India. an India business. Yeah. They're losing a ton of money by investing heavily in their very own version of autonomous vehicles, which mm -hmm. we talked about yeah. earlier could, could end up ending in tears for them. But that's expensive, right? right? That's bringing in zero revenue. So the question is, does, does the business itself have a shot at, yeah. at bringing in money? There, you know, there was there's been evidence at various stages of their development that it had the, that it had the possibility to bring in a lot of money and, you know, it, let's take, just take the United States, Uber and Lyft are in this, are in this arms race. You could also envision a scenario where, you know, not by collusion, but because they, you know, they've either spent themselves into exhaustion, right. that they both pull off these subsidies and mm -hmm. they make money. Right. But to, but the, the flip side of that is already we go around town and we see drivers who have the Lyft uh, and decal Uber. and the Uber right. decal on the same window so, because it's interchangeable to them. I guess I'm asking, is there a moat for them, given all this? Because to me, their biggest thing was their brand, and that's best, gotten That's right. The best moat was that they'd become a verb, I'm going to Uber there. Yeah. And it was, it was easy to explain, and people around the country and around the world knew it. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, they've been, they've been severely tarnished. Yeah. But... You know, I don't have the, they have the data at their fingertips. They I don't. They say it's, everything's fine, right? What's that? They, they have been saying. No, I'm not saying that. I'm no, not, they have said that. The, the data that would be interesting to know is what, what consumer behavior is like. Right. There's, you know, anecdotally, there's places where people just take Uber. Right. And it's, or it's anecdotally, not just, I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, I was going to say, though, but that's the more, like, in our circles, that's the more prevailing thing. I won't do that. But. Mm -hmm. There's people out there who do. I don't know. My mom doesn't want to take Uber anymore. I understand. It's but interesting. She's your mom. No, she's not very technical. She's just like, ew. Oh, but she's aware of what... Yeah, yeah no, I know. But I think it's, a, it's interesting. It's <laughs> an interesting. Mom. We'll see of what... Also it, a lovely you, woman, they, just like Travis. <laughs> no. Um, so, so, but, but in any case, um, this is the last question, and we'll get to Q&A. When you have that idea of, like, this brand is the most important thing, and it's not just this sexual harassment thing. It's not just Waymo... It's not just gray balling. Before that was delete Uber, where they're trying to screw people who are going to the protest. It's like every single day, it feels very Trumpian. Like, what? Oh, I forgot he insulted someone who was disabled. That was months ago. You know what I mean? There seems like, can, can a brand sustain this much? Because you've covered brands for years, internet brands. Brands can rejuvenate if they, if they, do, if they do things right. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you need the right people and the right money and the right strategy. Uh, I, I'm not telling, but I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's... Yeah. So who's the COO going to be? <laughs> Who does it have to be? Well, it's, they're looking for a COO. They're looking for a CMO, a CFO. A, uh, they're looking I for mean, a, if there's head ever, of engineering. If there's ever <laughs> Only because we've gotten some of these people fired. So I'm now um, <laughs> head of, not product, head of business. Yeah, that guy. He's gone. If there's ever a, a conversation I'd like to be a fly on the wall, and it's this, you know, the conversation with the top prospect who says, <laughs> well, okay, yeah. explain one thing to me. Uh, who do I report to? Well, you right. can report to Travis Kalanick, but he's not there right now, right? Right. When's he coming back? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, what are my specific responsibilities they're going to be? Well, they're going to be these. But, and how do I know that's not going to change when Travis comes back? Well, because we say so. Right. And we're a very weak board and have never stopped him before. And we're complicit in all this activity. A, but yeah, it, please come. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's a toughie. So, you know, yeah. the person they want... 
Who would you think wants would be great? to be CEO, not yeah. not not COO? Right. Who would you pick? Pick two names. I mean the um, what's that? Jared Kushner. <laughs> he. We've just added that to his portfolio. Yeah. You got one. You just wait. We just added it to his portfolio. But go ahead. He's solving Middle East peace, but you could do it on the side. Oh, added his portfolio yeah. running Uber, right. No, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great idea. I mean, two, two people who, uh, one has been, one the name has been floated is uh, the former, the former heir apparent at Disney. I can never remember. Tom Staggs. Staggs, right? With yeah. a T, S-T. Staggs. You know, he's a guy who's, he's a business guy who's run a complicated operation and done it very, he's a very diplomatic guy. You've yeah. had him on stage. I know him well. So he's the kind of person. Yeah. Who would who would do it and uh, who would work in the sources other. close to Tom Staggs go ah okay well I ah uh, in what sense no no he doesn't want or no ah. he good <laughs> no ah <laughs> no thank you maybe there's enough money in the world I don't know um, the, that was a perfect but I'll give you ah. but but you know you know again I'm talking about types right. of people right. uh, the type of person who'd be perfect in this situation if he wanted to do it would be Alan Mulally the former CEO ah. of Ford. Who had uh, who had been the CEO of He's Boeing? He's a bunk killer. Well, and he gets complex organizations. He knows how to he knows how to like wrap things up in a bow. And and he, he I don't know how old he is, but he doesn't need no. either the recognition. And or he the really money. can rock a sweater vest. <laughs> We're going to take another quick break now for a word from our sponsors. We'll be back in a minute with more from Adam Lashinsky, the author of Wild Ride: Inside Uber's Quest for World Domination. This show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, more than 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com decode. That's ZipRecruiter.com decode. One more time, to go try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com decode. Hi, this is Recode Radio producer Eric Johnson. This show is also brought to you by Qualcomm, the company that invented the fundamental technology in everything you love about your phone. From download speeds to stunning photos to GPS, none of it would work the way you count on without Qualcomm engineers getting there first. And now the company that changed everything with the smartphone is about to change everything else. Essentially, Qualcomm is why you love your smartphone, no matter what brand of phone it is. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash weinvent. All right, questions from the audience. Come on up. Okay, go for it. So, Kara, thanks for your time, Adam, as well, and for bringing Ruth. Always an added plus. Um, Kimberly's referring to my wife sitting in the front row. Right here. His better half, and I really mean it that way. No question. My question is, Adam, you've had this amazing opportunity to write about Inside Apple and now in, kind of Inside Uber. What are, what's one similarity or one difference of these yeah, two cool. companies with pretty unique CEOs? Well, 
superficially there's a lot of sim- there's a lot of similarities. Um, you know, Jobs was Jobs prided himself in breaking the rules. Yeah, large and small, not so large as, right. as Uber has, but that was part of that was part of his persona. And uh, you know, I wrote I wrote a thing this morning that um, you know, Travis told me once. I said, "How do you like running a big company?" And I think it was a very telling response. He said, "I like to think of it in small pieces." And when I and I and I you know, I reflected in the book and, and again that I don't think he had grasped that that wasn't acceptable. You know, he's running a big company. Right. But to but but in fairness, so, you know, from a storytelling perspective, that was one of Jobs's lines. He said, I like to think that Apple's the largest startup in the world. Yeah. He made it work. He was he was Steve Jobs. It was not a small company. It had it had a ton of professional processes, and you know you would hear these stories about people scre- you know being screamed at by Steve Jobs and others being treated horribly, but there's no you know that that's not a, that's not against the rules. That's not against the law. No screaming at screaming at people because you think they suck. Yeah, I w- so that's I w- where the comparisons end. I would not compare them in any way. Ever. Well, I'm talking about in uh, <laughs> in, in let's say an aspirational tone. In, in Uber's aspirations. No, I don't. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry. No. Jobs was a very great CEO. Sorry. Hi there. So I should probably preface this by saying that I haven't read Take a Wild Uber Ride, but um, I'd love to know from the both of you what you think is the sort of realistic and practical future of Uber, given a lot of the shortcomings that we've talked about tonight amongst leadership, management, and culture. I think I've ticked at that. You've got a company with a. With a I'm going to give you the cup half full because Kara's going to give you the cup half empty, which, which I'm fine with. I could give you that too. But it's a it's a company with with global operations and sort of, I'm I'm I'm, I'm reaching for a business cliche, which is mind share in the in with with consumers, mm-hmm. with riders, and so you know. Huge problems, including these legal problems, which are way worse maybe than the public perception problems or the, the reputation being tarnished. But yeah. if you could get past that, if they can, if they can get past that, and and you and you you bring in the right leadership to run that global operation, that would be the cup half full yeah. future. I would say the sexual harassment, sexism stuff, or stuff. They'll pro- sadly, I will say they will probably get over that if they do the right things. They shouldn't. They should not. But I think the, the lawsuits are really problematic. I think the criminal investigations are problematic. I think the fact that they have a very thin management staff and how do you attract really good people there? You're not going to get a Sheryl Sandberg to show up there. She's just never going to, someone like that is never going to do that. So you have all these problems of attrition, keeping staff, keeping drivers happy. There's so many, this is such a logistically complex company to have the, the mind share of the, what one employee, one executive that remains at Uber. Uh, to do it is really hard. And then I think they're going to get sold. That's what I would say. I think to who? Google. To Google? Yeah, they can't compete in the self-driving area. They can't do it. They just can't. They're not the most brilliant. Look, there's A players and B players, and now they don't have the A players anymore. You know, and they've managed to create one of the most toxic cultures I've ever seen uh, in tech. And so I think they, it's just like, I, I don't know who could go in. And of course, and then you have the CEO floating around saying, I really need to get to this drives me nuts. Um, you know, Uber needs to get to Uber 2.0 and Travis needs to get to Travis 2.0. Like, it's all going to rest on his Jesus-like shoulders. And that mentality is, you know, is so Silicon Valley. And, and I think here's someone who created most of the damage, not taking responsibility for it, not uh, having any kind of 
sorry. There's not a real sorry here. And I, I don't want, like, I don't, you don't need to prostrate yourself. But David Bonderman, whatever you think of that joke, and I think he meant something slightly different when he said, I think he was talking about having discussions with women. There's more discussion with more women around the table. It was a bad, stupid joke at the exactly wrong time. But he quit immediately. Like, he did the right thing. He knew he was going to be a distraction for that company. He, he did the right thing. He did one single stupid joke. Travis Chalonik done, has done a dozen very serious, disturbing things, including the India stuff. Please read about that, because it will disturb you to no end. Huh? He, was probably no delighted, he was probably delighted to be done with it. Who? Bonderman. Bonderman, he probably was. He's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't need Someone called this. me and said it was a plot by him to get off the board. I was like, really? To look like an asshole? No, I don't think so. Um, well, I'm saying there, once there, it there, happened, he yeah, probably read Right here? It. Sorry, there's a, there's a thing back here. Yeah, you Can you go go run back here? Uh, hi. Uh, I was expecting that you guys will talk tonight about topics like uh, Uber in the job market, Uber's impact on urban life, Uber in the economy, Uber's impact on our social life. But you chose not to talk about any of those things, and I'm not asking you now to address them. Oh, he them. can. He can. Uh, no, no, I, I'm mostly curious why you don't find those topics important and interesting enough to discuss. I do. I, so okay. <laughs> well, I, I do, I, I, and, and I can't tell exactly which, you know, which direction you, you know, you're hoping I'm going to go or which co co direction the people who are clapping are, are going to go. I, I, I spent quite a bit of time thinking about the impact on the economy. I, as part of my research for the book, I became an Uber driver. And, uh, and so because I wanted to experience what it was like. I didn't do it for a long time, and I, I did it long enough to learn very quickly that uh, I enjoy my job a lot more than being an Uber driver. It's, it's tough. You so know, the, can you, what is the impact of, it's not just Uber, but it's Airbnb. It's all these companies of these, this gig economy. And it's yeah. not something you cover a whole lot in the book, but what is the... I, I think it's I think it's very it's very complicated. On on the, on the one hand, the, the Uber and, Air, and Airbnb didn't invent uh, piecework, uh, piecemeal work. They sure. didn't invent uh, contracting. They've systemized. But they've, well, they've they've sort of they've I don't know made it more efficient maybe with the by with the smartphone or the web being the procurer of of, of people and, and and things to for, for that piecework. I'll just tell you because we don't have a ton of time. You know the the. My observation in talking to a ton of drivers and briefly experiencing it myself is that uh, out of, in one breath, Uber drivers will tell you the many reasons why they hate being Uber drivers, and in the next breath will tell you why they are Uber drivers, which is that they're hard up for cash and for, for many, many reasons, and they like, the they like that Uber gives them the ability to get it quickly and to do it when they want to do it. Uh, which is which is no trivial thing, but like I said, they'll they'll give you the same exact argument in the same com. Oh, they'll give you the, the in the same conversation those two those two arguments. And what about their impact on a city? Because that's self-driving cars is what you're talking about. The idea of self-driving cars. Are you or are you talking about all the the clutter of of cars on the of, of Uber and Lyft cars on the road? Because I, I think they're I think they're 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 different subjects. Um, you know, I'm not one of these futurists who sees what, what that's how self-driving cars is going to work quickly. When you talk to these people, they tell you it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a when, not an if. That it, that it will happen. It is safe, but it's going to take consumer acceptance and regulation to get there, and that may take quite a bit of time. And uh, 
You know, I just think it's funny. It's or it's, it's interesting. I'll make an observation. You know, Uber is Uber and Lyft are cluttering the streets, but Lyft, in John Zimmer's words, are uh, taking cars right, taking off cars taking off. cars off the road, which is a wonderful. Can you thing. say the quote that Travis used in the book about horses? Which yeah, he uh, this was classic, right? He was asked in China. Travis Kalanick was asked in China, "Do you envision a future where people don't drive cars themselves?" And he said, "Oh no." Uh, People still ride horses for leisure, uh, even though that was once our primary form of transportation. And I can, I can envision a day when people take their cars out for a ride on a, on a beautiful, sunny afternoon. Right. I think a lot of people. And then the quote he used about drivers, though, at our conference where he got in a big trouble, which is the flip side of that. Where he called a uh, taxi. Where, no, where he said that. Oh, uh, wanted, some dude in a car. Yeah. He wanted to get rid of all drivers. He said, someday my business will work when I can get rid of all drivers. And his... I know. <laughs> it, that was what the crowd said at the time, too. Um, uh, it was a really interesting observation. I think he was telling the truth and was brutally honest about what a lot of these people don't say, is that they're hoping to get rid of all humans in the process of driving and stuff well, like the Drivers, at least. Right. You know, and the, the logical conclusion of the billions of dollars that, that all of these companies are spending on automation is the elimination of human jobs, which is right. the same conclusion of all the other examples of automation that that's yeah. happening in the economy there's and no he question just said it out and he loud. says it in the in the most yeah em, em, embarrassing foot in his mouth way but he's correct correct more or less yeah yeah all right uh two more questions okay. hi i have a question that follows on your um conversation about the culture of uber i wonder whether there's any connection you think in, in from your research in the a culture where there is sexism and discrimination and you know uh, drivers incomes are there was a story in new york about i guess they're being sued because they've they didn't they pay did, them enough they didn't pay them enough By that, that kind of culture is connected to the fact that the company's mission is to disrupt the taxi industry and as you were just talking about eventually to possibly take out the transportation sector worldwide I would imagine that working in that environment would be very different from any other job because you're dealing with all of these large humanistic, ethical, moral questions as you go about your daily tasks. So are, is that part of the culture? Is that something people talk about? Are there connections there? So the idea is in the company, they understand the impact that their business is having on people's lives? Um, I would think that that would be something employees at various levels, and particularly at top levels, but at all levels, would possibly think about, or is it not something that they think about? Yeah, no, as, as, as I'm sure you've heard, it absolutely is something that they, that they talk about, and to give you a, a, a window into the mindset of the company, this was, for Travis Kalanick and, and the people around him, a badge of honor, Tac and I'm, I'm paraphrasing him now, these aren't my words, taxi systems... Taxi commissions and taxi owners right. are corrupt. We are, uh, we are doing something about that corruption. They want to keep the number of taxis available to consumers down and to keep prices high, and we're going to have as many cars on the road as possible and, to, and drive prices low for consumers. That is, that was the founding mentality of the companies, and they, they weren't shy about that. Mm -hmm. What they, about the second question of driverless car? The idea that they may disrupt. Maybe that's yesterday's fight, fighting the corrupt taxis. Right. They don't talk about that anymore at Uber. No. What about it's, the idea over. of getting yeah. rid of 
humans in the driving process. You know, and the way that might affect the corporate culture, I mean, I don't think it's particularly surprising that there's rampant sexism at a company that has essentially anti-humanistic values. That's a, but, that's you know, call me crazy. I mean, tomorrow I'm a humanist, right? I mean, I, I think that what, that what Kara and I do and what you do is going to be the, the last industry to be disrupted by robots. I mean, uh -huh. can you imagine a robot doing yes, what Kara Yes, totally. No. They actually are making them. No. They're making them. No. They are. You know that's not going to happen. I know not it in is. your lifetime. Yeah, I'll be dead. I don't care. So. Right, don't you think? Both of us. We're kind of at the end of I our... I think so. Yeah, we'll be dead. We don't care. I do. Go right ahead. Larry Page. That's probably he'll do it to us, right? Or Zuckerberg. Um, okay, that's a great question. Last question. Uh, hi, Adam. Hi, Kara. Thank you so much for coming. Um, my question is, what is your advice for founders, aside from, you know, not writing these memos and not going to brothels <laughs> with your employees? Oh, the brothel. We didn't even get to the brothel. That other guy would have been mad at us. Just to really, really steer away from this and make sure that the people that you're bringing on, you know, embody the values that will you know, get you to the next stage, not let you be dragged down by this. I know there are good people at Uber, but you can't, the fish stinks from the head. That's a great thing, like, think, because people change. Zuckerberg has changed, Evan Spiegel presumably has changed. Um, talk about that, <laughs> the founder, what happens, to the, the journey of the founder. I mean, there's, there's little evidence that, that, I mean, Gates changed after he became a, a philanthropist. Yeah. Bezos never changed. No. Zuckerberg grew. Yeah. Which is different from, from change. And we, we could, you know, Steve Jobs didn't change. He also grew mm -hmm. tremendously. But, um, you know, it, it's a great question. I, I structured my, my Apple book all around lessons that you can learn from Apple, both for entrepreneurs, which Jobs considered himself to be one, and corporate executives. So, so what about tips? What, what are some of the things? Tips from, from Uber. But what do you think? You've interviewed hundreds of founders. What do you think the key assets are or things to avoid obviously not writing bad memos but what, what think of some assets well i'll i'll give you i mean the the one that um what what uber did well from the out, from the outset was a core tenet of what apple did well which which was to be laser, laser focused on as few things as possible and when uber was was thriving and growing they were really focused on one thing which was getting making uber x huge mm -hmm. and you know and jobs sort of took this to an art form uh, you know they were going to say no to more things than they were going to say yes to they were only going to do the, they were only going to make products they could fit on a conference room table that we could have a long conversation about how the fact that that's over at Apple now, and, and it's, it's over at Uber, right? They're, because they do Uber Eats, and they're investigating flying cars, and they're you know, transporting kittens and barbecue and, right. and helicopters. And so, I mean, I think great, great entrepreneurs and great business executives try to focus on as few things as possible. That was my learning from writing about Apple. And I think, you know, some people ask me, what advice would you give Uber? And I, yeah. I really, I, well, I hate, I hate to do that, but that would be the obvious advice. Focus. Lyft is focusing right now. Got a great product focus kind of thing. Kind of thing. What would you do if you were CEO would be the first thing? No way. <laughs> no, no way. And I mean, I, you know, well, you've, you've, <laughs> you've kind of done what I'm, what I'm saying I, I won't do, but not, you know, you've done it a little, you run a company, you <laughs> sold a company, but you've kept being a journalist the entire right. time. And I've had, you know, nibbles over the years. Could, would, you, would you be interested in doing this? And I'm just blessed that I've, I, there isn't anything else that, that I want to be doing. I get to do a lot of fun things. I like being a journalist. I don't, I don't want to be the CEO of Uber. Are you kidding me? All right. No, they're not asking. But, um, <laughs> neither, but neither of us, right? Right. No, no, no. Um, and so what do you imagine will be around in 10 years? 
Well, you you just predicted that that Google's going to buy them, which I think is is very clever. So I, I would never I would never counter you, Karen. Oh, what you can have your own opinion. I'm I, I think often ten years wrong. Is a, I'm frequently years. wrong, but never in doubt. So <laughs> I'm frequently wrong, um, and ten years is a, is is a ridiculously long time well, to me. What I mean is, like can that. you be a pioneer and not necessarily survive the sure. transition? Yeah, because we've, we've. But you seen, think not. You think not. We've You're seen optimistic. It happen countless times. You're no, optimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic because you know I have I have I have joy and warmth in my heart, oh, not, not because uh, I'm making a prediction. All right, well, and I do. Yes, you do. You're a joyful. What's By your the next way, book? Can you do me a huge favor? What? No. Um, what? I've always wanted to get you to sign this. Another time. Another a- time. Afterwards, will you sign this? <laughs> yes, I do promise. You realize I this is Don't kiss 20 up years to old? me. Yes, I know that. I'm very old. I got that. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um, so and so are you because you were you and yeah, I were young I at was, the same yeah. time. Anyway, yeah. uh, before the program's up, I know we're running a tiny bit late, uh, it is now an informed tradition to ask all our speakers the following question. What is your 60-second idea to make the world a better place? Don't be snarky. No, I wish I... By the way, they, they give you 60 minutes preparation. You've got 60 seconds, go! Preparation. I, I'm going to get there because it's really short. I wish I could be snarky, but um, I, I just try really hard to do three, three things, to say please and thank you, and to be grateful for all the blessings that I have. And, and I think if, you know, if everyone sort of shot for that tough goal, the world would be a better place. Fantastic answer. So nice. All right. Let's give a big round of applause to Adam Lashinsky. There's a lot in this book. It's a fascinating history of Uber, if you want to find out how they got where they got. And thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts with us. It's called Wild Ride Inside Uber's Quest for World Domination. It's a great cover, actually. It's fantastic. Um, he will be signing this excellent book, Wild Ride, down the hall, and copies are for sale. And he's ready to write personal notes to all of you, I know. Um, so please take your time with him and ask him for whatever you want. Um, he is a great journalist. He's one of my favorite journalists in Silicon Valley, Adam Lashinsky. Thank you, Kara. Thanks again to Adam Lashinsky for joining me on stage and to Inform at the Commonwealth Club of California, where the interview took place. Adam's book is called Wild Ride, Inside Uber's Quest for World Domination, and is available in hardcover from Portfolio. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews we've done with Uber board member Bill Gurley, Bloomberg journalist Brad Stone, and Lyft president John Zimmer, just to name a few, in the car arena. All of those interviews and more are at recode.net slash decode. Now that you're done with this, why not try one of our other podcasts? Recode Media with Peter Kafka comes out every Thursday. On Fridays, I host Too Embarrassed to Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from our events like the Code Conference, Peter Kafka's Code Media, and Jason Del Rey's Code Commerce. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Digital Media, a company that distributes the show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then.